all the king's horses and all the king's men. Everything about her was wrong, wrong, wrong. She couldn't win the clothes round. She always looked shiny and tawdry by their austere Mallu standards. Even though she wore a rich, deep green and many of them were in red, orange and bright yellow, she looked like the showy peacock, not they. In the congeniality round, the struggle to follow the torrents of Mallu had her worn down. She could understand Ash and even speak a bit, but at a much slower pace. And this constant barrage from cannon to right of her, cannon to left of her, was more than she could handle. In the hair and skin round, her milk and butterfed complexion was no match for their centuries of coconut oil inside and out. She raced ahead on the fairness criterion, but she was loath to glory in that. The thing was, she knew them all as lovely people and she got on well with all of them individually. But together they swamped her and their efforts to include her only made her feel more the outsider and guilty for her resentment to boot. And if another random person asked her conversationally about her kids, she was going to explode. Efforts of Amma and Ash's sisters to protect her from this rampant intrusiveness only humiliated her father so she'd slunk away quietly. Their childlessness was a constant social trauma. Even in her own family, watching her cousins and their nieces puff up large and then slender down again with babies in their arms, was an ever-burning stiletto in her chest. But she had to deal with it, she and Ash. The brazen references to her barren status in public were hurtful and infuriating beyond expression. But even the heat of that reaction had become more manageable with the passing of time. Now it was the pity and the protectiveness of the family on both sides which burned and chilled her. Was there no other purpose to a woman's existence other than to procreate, she asked herself for the umpteenth time? Did all her other achievements count for naught in the face of this single monumental failure? In fact, even they were tarnished by her childless status. For a woman who didn't have to balance her career with kids at home, must surely have a much easier ride to the professional top than one who did. And why, why, why must the burning coals be heaped only on her head and never on ashes? He was commiserated with while she was held responsible for their no-kid status. All this without anyone knowing the truth, since neither of them had ever spoken. She forced her mind away from the ugly memories of snide references to temples, IVF facilities, sundry quacks and lecherous offers to be taught techniques that she'd had to deal with over the years. That was the slippery slope to despair. From the silent safety of her room, she looked out into the pouring rain, the relentless hammering of the torrent as it poured down in impenetrable sheets massaged her weary mind and body and the echoing rush and gush of the water outside calmed her turbulent mind. 
Sometime later, she realized, her mind was wandering naturally over a range of unrelated topics and the bloodlust had abated. She sighed wearily to herself. Another battle won. Another sea of torment sailed through. Another fire of anguish smothered and flowers planted in their place. She was 42. Would it ever end? The splatter from the balcony had drenched her as she stood inside the room with her mind wandering. She hadn't even noticed. Shiver rose from her gold-shod feet and raced through her whole body, causing her to wrap her palu tightly around herself. She made herself a cup of strong tea and pulled a chair up to the balcony so she could look out while she sipped. <laughs> look out at what, you silly girl? She laughed at herself. There's nothing to see except the crazy rain and the dancing coconut trees. She squinted down into the courtyard, checking if there was anything there. And immediately, she spied a fallen puppy, pressing itself against the wall for shelter, but drenched nevertheless. How long had the poor fellow been cowering there as she selfishly surrendered to her internal tempest? Sympathy for the pup overwhelmed her. The scrawny chap pressing his thin frame against the side of the building as the rain splattered and splotched all over his spindly body suddenly became the most compelling thing in her universe. His helplessness... His vulnerability, his nobody-there-for-me status, they took on unspeakably massive meaning for her. Abandoning the still-hot cuppa, she grabbed a dry towel from the bathroom and without heat for her totally inappropriate clothes and shoes, she hurtled down the stairs in a crazed flurry of action. She charged across the lobby and ploughed through the hotel staff, who tried to inform her it wasn't advisable to venture out in this torrent. She explained about the shivering puppy outside. Someone smothered a laugh in the background and their faces showed open incredulity. What? All this manic frenzy for a straight pup? Someone brought her an umbrella, but she couldn't manage towel, puppy and umbrella, so she waved it away summarily. She kicked off her shoes and hitched up her sari and launched herself into the deluged courtyard. The pup was too engrossed in his own watery misery to even notice her and she'd got quite close and would have nabbed him in another step or two when he suddenly became aware and fled into the thick of the downpour. She cajoled him and called him to come back but he eluded her at every step. Finally, accepting the futility of the chase, she flung down the water-logged towel and stood there in the empty courtyard, crying inconsolably. The hot, anguished tears were washed from her face by the cold, beating rain the instant they appeared. But they seemed to be a fresh and never-ending supply. She knew the hotel staff must be staring at her, thinking her a total whack job. But she just couldn't get a grip on herself. All the stress and anxiety and the unshed tears of the last few days found their way out of her hot, tormented heart and eyes and spilled over in that solitary courtyard 
as if that puppy meant the whole world and could have solved every iota of her sorrows. And his escape and the fact that he had willfully eluded her meant that there was no hope for her. She was mercilessly and eternally doomed. The tears roared out in uncontrollable gulps and shudderings. Sometime later she became aware of a man standing next to her, silently holding an umbrella over her head. He was fully clad in a raincoat and gumboots and hooded against the rain himself and he stood there looking blankly out at the horizon, holding the umbrella chivalrously over her sodden head in streaming finery. Even though she looked at him startled, he kept his eyes discreetly averted, giving her the space to regain control. She wrestled herself back to normalcy. For all his staring off into the distance, he must have been observing carefully, because soon after she crossed that threshold, he started talking about the rain, how it was normal in this season, about stray dogs and cats and coconut trees and traffic chaos and the flood. He kept up the monologue for a few minutes until she made herself respond and the two of them stood there in the courtyard and the streaming rain discussing small niceties for all the world as if she hadn't just had a total meltdown and his shining human kindness hadn't pulled her back over the lip. In a while, at his lead, they turned around and walked back to the hotel, still chatting politely, umbrella still held regally over her head as if she were an eastern plenipotentiary. The lobby was a flutter with helping hands. Two young girls took over from her saviour and draped her in towels and escorted her back to her room in a scrum. Fresh towels were provided and bottles of shampoo and bath gel checked. The air conditioner was switched off and the balcony door shut. The girls insisted they'd stay to help her dry her long hair now dripping all over the bathroom tiles. When she'd finished broiling herself back to a human condition under the hot shower, they were waiting politely in the room. They seated her in front of the mirror as if she were a fragile china doll and one of them painstakingly combed the tangles out of her hair, blow-drying it lovingly while the other plied her with offers of hot tea or coffee or rasam or tomato soup. She felt cosseted and coddled after the emotional storms of the day and accepted the hot soup, gratefully sipping it while chatting to them. She thanked them profusely and finally led them out, insisting that everything was fine and she was not going to be ill. Had she sneezed even once during their whole visit? Now had she... They took away all the wet towels and dripping wedding finery with them, promising to have her clothes back by tomorrow. And if Ash walked in now, he wouldn't even know her world had fallen apart and been carefully put together again. Crazily, though logically, she felt profoundly sorry for poor Humpty Dumpty. She fell into a deep, dreamless sleep and woke up Only when she heard someone at the door, it was Ash, of course. She murmured something about being exhausted and he tactfully accepted this obvious cover-up. 
They spend some time chatting about trivialities before getting ready for the next big event. The last of the whole extravaganza. Fortified by the tomato soup and the infinite kindness of strangers, she sailed through the evening with a happy smile on her lips that even reached in and warmed her heart. The next morning, they went down to a late breakfast. The buzz of the last few days was over. The festivities finished, everyone was recalibrating and reconnecting with their normal home life. Some had already left. The rain seemed as unforgiving as ever. Everywhere one could hear the sound of water gushing furiously, who knows where to. The coconut trees tossed their heads rebelliously, as if challenging the wind and the rain to bring on their worst. She looked benignly at Ashwin. She was really lucky to have him in her life. He knew when to let things go and when to reel them in, when to be absent and when to be there. She sent him a kiss from her heart to his. And as if he'd received it, he looked up at her and nodded. Madam, the soft voice broke the intimate moment. She looked up to see one of the girls from yesterday. She held a long red ribbon leading to the collar, circling the neck of a scrawny scrap of a puppy. Heart leaping almost out of her chest, she scooped him up and pressed him passionately to her breast as wave upon wave of unnameable emotions swamped her. She raised her eyes to Ash across the table and in his usual intuitive way, he just seemed to know that this was a big one. He shook his head indulgently at her. As he said, he didn't know how the hell they were going to manage it, but okay. Even without knowing anything, he always seemed to know. She had never loved him more.